tell me who you really are so I can make fun of you and go loser and all this stuff. God's like, I want you to agree because I have already sent my son to die in your place because forgiveness has already been given and the spirit of God who dwells in you because you have put your faith and trust in Jesus is saying, I want you to be real about this because I want to do a transformational work in your life. You probably have certain things that you don't like about yourself. Like everyone else, you try to hide those self-perceived flaws from other people. But in today's message, Pastor Daniel reminds you that God wants you to be honest with him about yourself and the ways you're broken. He's not going to make fun of you or hold it over your head. No, God wants you to be transformed and have the full life that Jesus came to give you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Need for Honesty. things that we can be honest about. First, in verse 24, you and I, if we're being, if we're truly reflecting on who we are, first we're going to be honest about sin. We have to be honest about sin. Listen to what it says. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I know because I didn't grow up in the church, that when you hear something like you need to be honest about sin, everybody in their mind who didn't grow up in the church thinks, I mean, why all this focus on sin, 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 sin? I mean, can't we just be positive for five seconds? And it's not a wrong thought, but the thing is, is that sin is an essential part of every human being's life. There's not a person who exists except for Jesus Christ who has not succumbed to this thing called sin. Now, what is it? I always explain it this way. Sin is the fact that no human being except for Jesus has always been as good as they could be. That's what sin is. Sin is you always being as good as you could be. Is anyone here going to say, in every single action, and every single motivation, I have always been the best possible version of myself. Anyone want to say that? We don't even have the snarky young person like me, you know. Nobody can say it. Like, you look at what happened this morning, what happened last night, yesterday. There's all these situations where there was a way that you could have lived that would have been the most extraordinary version of yourself. But nobody always does that. You have, might have moments where you're like, in that one instance, I got it so right. I remember, so those of you who are married would appreciate this. Those of you who aren't married, you will appreciate this if God blesses you with marriage. So me and Lynn have been married for about 11 years now. And so every wife knows that when you get married, the chief goal of marriage is to housebreak your husband. And Lynn's, you know, she's from California and she's who she is. And I'm from New Jersey, which means I'm all messed up, right? And so for 11 years of marriage, Lynn's like, look, when this type of thing goes on, this is how I want you to act, right? And for 11 years, I've like seriously always gotten it wrong. 
Like, it's like something goes on and like, you know, you guys know what this is like. Your wife tells you there's a problem. And what do you do? You pull out the screwdriver, the hammer, right? You put a bandana on, you fix the problem. That's the last thing your bride wants. She just wants you to know that you love her, right? And we all know that, but it's hard to do. So sure enough, about two weeks ago, something went on and in my brain, it fired the first and only time. This is what Lynn needs. And I stopped. I gave her a big old hug. I said, sweetie, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. And she's like, you know, you're doing so good right now. <laughs> and I felt good about it, but that was the first time I've gotten that right in 11 years. And I'm telling you all because it was like, it was amazing. It's like, wow. Now, if I always did that, every single interaction in my marriage, then I would be without sin but I got it right one time and I'm excited about it. Praise God. Oh, you're cheering for me. You can pray for me. Pray for her. (laughs) See, if you always get it right, the best way you could do it every time, then you're without sin. And anytime you don't do it the best way possible, then you've succumbed to the nature that we have inherited that we call sin. See, sin is not that you're always as bad as you could be. It's that you're never as good as you should be. And so if we're going to be honest about who we are, if we're truly going to be self-reflective, we need to be honest about sin. Now, the idea of denying yourself and taking up your cross, the cross was an act of Roman capital punishment. We don't do it today. We do things like the electric chair or the lethal injection, right? But the cross, now because of the finished work of Jesus, has become synonymous with the fact that humanity struggles with this thing called sin, that we're never as good as we could be or should be. And when we think of the cross, we think of that happened because of my sin, because of my mistakes, And you think about what Jesus is saying, if we're going to be self-reflective, first we need to deny ourselves. What this actually means is we need to displace our own agendas and ideas and place God and God's kingdom's agenda and ideas in the first place. So the idea of self-denial, it doesn't imply self-abuse or a lack of self-esteem. It means putting God's priorities before our own. And that only happens when we will deny ourselves. What that means is that in each one of our hearts, there are competing sets of priorities. There's you and what you want and what you believe. And then there's God and what God wants and what God believes. And for the child of God, we do the dirty work of battling the saying, I am going to deny my set of priorities so that Jesus's priorities will take first place. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, That's a tough challenge, isn't it? Because things like love, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, compassion, mercy, these are God's priorities. And oftentimes we have our own agendas, things that we are pressing on. What also happens is is that oftentimes we can find expressions of religion that justify a set of priorities that aren't God's priorities. To be confrontational right now, who's your enemy? Who's the person you think's the worst? What did Jesus say about your enemy? You should love your enemy. She is nasty that way sometimes. 
if we are going to deny ourselves, we say, okay, that I'm going to find out, Lord, how do I love that person? And not let them hurt me or not set up boundaries that are destructive, but Lord, how do I love that person? Because that's your priorities. We need to be honest about the sins that we struggle with. Let's just put it out there. Sometimes church is the worst place to tell somebody that you struggle about something because we have a bad habit of shooting our own, shooting our wounded. When guess what? All of us are wounded. There's not one of us that has everything together. And the people of God, instead of being a place where you put on a smile and you grab a big Bible and you praise the Lord and you never let anybody know that you have issues, that's not what it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to be is a group of people coming together in Jesus' name that's a safe place for us to be able to come out and say, I'm really not doing so hot in this area. And one of the things I love about what God is doing in Crossroads as there are groups that are starting and there are groups that have been going. We have all new groups coming out. Is that in an environment of 10 or 12 people, it creates a space for us to be able to say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And people start praying for one another and knowing what's going on in one another's lives. And that sounds scary, except for the fact that you realize that your healing is actually comes in the humility to be honest. Nobody ever gets the medicine that they need from a doctor unless they're first humble enough to go and say, I need to see the doctor. See, it takes humility and vulnerability and honesty to say, look, I don't feel right and I am a little bit dizzy and there's this thing going on and I've never experienced before and something's gotta be going on here. But there is a honesty about that when you hit the end of the rope that you're like, I need to get this thing fixed. And I think for some of us spiritually, you have things going on that you know is sin and you know it needs to be dealt with, but you're saying, I don't want to be honest with someone to say that this is what's going on because if I do, this might happen or this might happen. But really, the first steps in healing come from that ability to be honest about your sin. How do I know? Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. The apostle John gets right at this. Listen to what he says. He says, this is the message which we heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, the son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Some challenging words, aren't they? See, it's about you and I being honest with who we are. You know what the word confession means in the Greek? It literally means to say the same thing as. So when a person confesses the things that they struggle with, they are saying exactly what God is saying. That's who we are. So confession is not, I'm outing myself on my garbage. Confession is, this is truly who I am, and God already knew it. And that's a pretty powerful reality. We're not pretending to be something we're not. We're saying, I'm agreeing with God that this is who I really am. 
But the beauty is, is God doesn't say, I want you to tell me who you really are so I can make fun of you and go loser and all this stuff. God's like, I want you to agree because I have already sent my son to die in your place because forgiveness has already been given. And the spirit of God who dwells in you because you have put your faith and trust in Jesus is saying, I want you to be real about this because I want to do a transformational work in your life. Brothers and sisters, we need to be honest about our sin. Now, listen. I try and be very, very vulnerable. It's kind of an occupational hazard. Nobody at Crossroads is under any illusions that I am without sin. Because I realize I can't lead you where I won't go. Let me give you an example. I was just this week. When I have a lot of things going on, I can become very, very direct. And I have to go apologize to somebody because I was very direct in their general direction where they didn't really deserve it. They were trying to help me. And so I realized pretty quickly, and Lynn was like, yeah, I think you kind of messed that up a little bit. And I have to go apologize because that in the way that I'm in my own brokenness and my own stuff that I'm working on, that's something that comes up where I just want to get something done. I want to get it checked off my list. And it's like, let's just go, go, go. And it's like, wait, that isn't so cool. But I, if I know that that's what I do, then guess what? I can start to see it. And I can become aware of it. And I can say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I could be such a knucklehead. And you know what happens when you go to someone, you've been a knucklehead in their direction, you say, hey, I'm really sorry, I've been a knucklehead in your direction. You know what they normally say? Oh, don't worry about it. But thanks for saying it. So I, I put myself out there because God's doing a work in my life too. And I gotta be honest about the sin in my own heart. I gotta be honest about where I am not as good as I could be. As a father, am I the most patient? No. Am I the most affirming and encouraging? No. As a husband, am I the best friend? No. As a pastor, am I the most faithful in prayer? No. Pray for me. But you know what the beauty is? Those aren't things that says that I am all messed up. The ability to agree and say, this is who I am, is actually God's grace at work in my life. Because God shows us these things so that he can transform us by the power of his spirit. See, we need to be honest about our sin because when we sin, we really sin against God and people get the brunt of it. Listen to what it says. Psalm 51, verses one to four. David's psalm of repentance after his adultery and murderous heart with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You see what he says? He says, God, against you I've sinned. Like, he's ruined a family and an extended family, and he's brought cast dispersions on his own reign and his authority. But he's like, Lord, against you I've sinned. So we need to be honest about sin. Next, at the end of verse 24, you need to reflect on who you follow. We need to reflect on who we follow. Notice what it says, if anyone wants to Come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
I think an important area of self-reflection is to reflect and be honest about what are you following? What are you chasing after? Now, it'd be really convenient to say, well, hey, we're in church. We're all following and seeking after Jesus. Really? Are we really all doing that? Some of us are following and seeking after success, following and seeking after something that we want. One of the things that I've learned is that in each one of our hearts, there are competing motivations. And sometimes Jesus is in the pole position. He is in the driver's seat. But other times, guess what? There's something else in the pole position. There's something else in the driver's seat. And I do believe in Jesus, but there's really another thing that I'm following. And if we're self-reflective, oftentimes it's hard to remember who we're following because there are so many competing motivations. I remember when I realized as a young husband and a young father that I wasn't doing a great job of providing for my family. I didn't have life insurance and I didn't have a retirement account. And I didn't have any money in savings. I'm like, uh-oh. And so I began to follow the path of how do we accumulate wealth? Not that it was a bad thing, but it can't be what I'm following. But it was. Sometimes we get interested in health and Really, the main driver of our lives are some ideal of physical health. Be like, oh, really? I'm, re I'm just following after having a six-pack abs. And your religion becomes that. I know people who are more focused on hitting their BMI than they are on talking about Jesus. And it's completely backwards. We have to make sure that no matter what it is that we're pursuing, Jesus is in the driver's seat. And it's not wrong to understand finances to take care of your family. It's definitely not wrong to be healthy. It's not wrong to pursue your career excellently. But you have to make sure Jesus is the person you're following. Jesus is primary, and those things are subordinate to the glory of Jesus. And the purpose is. And for a lot of us, there's something right now that's in your life that is actually has the wheel of your life, and Jesus is actually subordinate to that. It's like when I talk to people who are struggling financially, and they always say the same thing. They say, well, I, I can't give to the Lord because I got to make sure I get my emergency fund because I'm studying with Dave Ramsey or whatever. It's like, so what you want to do is you want to rob God to make sure that you have the right amount of reserves. I'm like, look, man, if God ain't in your reserves, then you ain't got no reserves. But it sounds counterintuitive, right? I got to get this thing taken care of. No, you got to make sure Jesus is in the first place and then everything else you place underneath, this is the priorities of Jesus because we need to deny ourselves. We need to take our priorities and put them in the back seat and put Jesus in the front seat and his priorities. And then you say, Lord, because you're my priorities, how do I steward my own body? That's an important thing. Because of my priorities, how do I steward my career? That's an important thing. Lord, because you are the priority, how do I steward this next thing that is part of my life? Who are you following today? The apostle Paul got this right. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2, for I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech and wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The apostle Paul was a smart dude. He was well-learned. He could have come in the wisdom of everybody. He was your classic overachiever, highly intelligent, well-pedigreed intellectual. 
He could have come and said, well, listen, this rabbi said this, and this guy said this, and the wisdom of the Greeks said this, and this. He said, look, I didn't come with all that. I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because he's saying, look, I am following the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Messiah, and I'm going to follow him relentlessly. And everything else that goes on, following Jesus is going to take the primary place. He said it again in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Wow. He's saying, look, the only thing that I'm going to boast in is Jesus. See, this is why, remember I keep saying, it's essential for our understandings of who we are to place the cross of Jesus Christ right in the centerpiece. Why? Because the Apostle Paul and the early church taught us that, that everything we need to know about ourselves, we find at the cross. See, the Apostle Paul, being a Jewish man, talking to the church in Galatia, remember what happened in Galatia? They were trying to make Christianity legalistic. Oh, you need to do this thing and this thing, and you get circumcised, you need to worship on this day, this thing. He's like, look, in Christ, circumcision nor circumcision doesn't avail anything. All that matters is what? A new creation. You know what the single largest critique we get as a church that I hear about is that we're not legalistic. That we don't have this legalistic. You know how we get those critiques? From people who are legalistic. And I'm like... You bring them to the verses, but when somebody is stuck in an identity based on a false version of the gospel of grace, they can't see it anyway. It's a blind spot. Circumcision or uncircumcision. He's like, look, it doesn't matter what you do with the foreskin on your privates. All that matters is that you are a new creation whom the Son has set free. So then you ask yourself, what is the... Hold on before you clap. (laughs) What is the contemporary foreskin on your privates that you think is more important than being a new creation in Christ. And you talk to different churches. You got to worship on this day. You got to make sure you read this type of Bible. And God forbid the pastor has any hair. <laughs> Somebody said, man, Fusco, your hair. I'm like, listen, you, if I stay across this long enough, it'll all be gone anyway. we have these hobby horses that are completely missing the point of are you a new creation in Jesus? Because when you become a new creation in Jesus, then Jesus starts to unwind all this other stuff. It begins with and ends with this new creation. So ask yourself, who are you following? Jesus is real. We're so glad that you stayed with us today as Pastor Daniel talked about priorities. He shared that no matter what, God's priorities should come first. You learn that regardless of what you're doing, whether it's taking care of your family, doing your job, enjoying a hobby, or anything else, God's interests need to drive your life. This is what it means to lay your life down for the Lord. His priorities become your own. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
and I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will encourage you to check your reasoning behind your actions. You'll see that the actions themselves are just indicators of where your heart is. So, as you'll learn, it's important to investigate where your motivations and thoughts are coming from. This will help you live more in line with what God desires for you. This is part of learning the art of living. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called The Art of Living. Until then, may God bless.